1: Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Downbacker podcast. Uh, today we have Coach Taylor James here. Um, he is an assistant coach at Northern Illinois University. Uh, coach, how are you doing?
0: Not too bad. How about yourself?
1: I, I can't complain. Um, I met Coach briefly at our state clinic this past year while he was still trying. Um, but kind of before we get to any of that, um, how did you end up at Northern Illinois, Coach?
0: Yeah, so I started my coaching career at uh, the University of Sioux Falls. I was a defensive backs graduate assistant for uh, Nick Benedetto. He, um, he gave me my first job. I went out there. Um, I must have done a good enough job that, you know, when he got this opportunity, he's the co-defensive coordinator cornerbacks coach for us now at Northern Illinois, and he gave me a call back. And um, the first question he asked me was, how old am I? Um, I was like that's kind of a funny question and then I realized he was asking me if I could uh, come back and be a graduate assistant here so I'm our graduate assistant at Northern Illinois now working with our linebackers um, so that's kind of a change but a change that I really like obviously I like being closer to the box.
1: Good. I mean speaking of, and I mentioned the OHSFCA clinic there so second what was that kind of like experience for you because like I mean obviously it wasn't the ideal clinic this year because the weather kind of yeah. Destroyed half our people coming in. But, um, I mean, kind of what was your experience like? What do you think?
0: Yeah, so I, I played at Trine University and uh, I played at the University of Indianapolis for two years. So I played with a good amount of Ohio guys, especially at Trine. I mean, our best players were Ohio dudes. Um, I can swallow that pill as an Indiana guy. Um, but we, you know, our head coach kind of came and talked to me. He's like, hey, you know, uh, we got a spot open to talk it, you want to talk and I I went, I didn't really think much of it. I knew it was a big deal um, because I don't really know too many Indiana guys that get asked to talk at an Ohio clinic. Um, So I went and it was incredible you know, the the setup, um, the amount of people, you know, I talked in for, I've talked in the Indiana state clinic and I talked in front of that many more people. And it was that impressive. Um, It was a really cool experience. I really liked to, it felt like a most people got something out of it so I was really excited to do it. Um, my dad drove me in a truck because of that same weather. Um, we could, we actually hit a deer in the morning so it was actually a little bit crazy of an experience but it was it was really cool uh, and being a high school coach too is the first time we got to just like go to one of my clinics and listen so it was a cool experience.
1: Good. Now, do you want to talk about that for a second? I mean because I mean we talked before we came on I mean your dad's been a head coach for what 27 of the 28 years you've been alive or whatever it was. It's just, so you kind of want to talk about the experience to just kind of, I mean, watching your dad do it and you kind of becoming it.
0: Yeah, so actually, like, so he's been a high school football coach for, it's either 33 years or 34 years or something like that. So he started his career in Michigan. He was a head coach for three years there. And then we moved to Indiana, um, my dad has been a coach at LaPorte for 27 years. Yeah. He's just been named the head coach for the first time. Oh, yeah. um, so, he, he uh, man, patience is a virtue. Um, he has more strong will than I do. Um, it's one of those things. He, so, he's a long offensive line coach. He's been an offensive line coach for probably 15 of those years. Um, he was a running backs coach, a wide receivers coach. He's done all sorts of stuff. He's the equipment guy. He dro- drove the truck for all of the kids' equipment on game days. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've taken from is my dad wore so many hats. He was our strength and conditioning coach. God, I'm forgetting that. Like, he would come in the morning, at six in the morning, every day, and we'd go. We'd do workouts. My dad would usually go uh, build a roof or a deck because he's a construction family that's how would make extra money. We'd go with, we'd have baseball or whatever. And then we'd come back at like 5 p.m. My dad would run the second lifting session. So it's kind of one of those things like, you know, I talk about long hours and stuff. Like I did a lot of that stuff with my dad. Um, Those are kind of my favorite like memories. So anytime I see someone with their kid at, you know, practice or anything like that, it makes my heart happy. You know, um, a lot of people, they think think that means like their dad was, my dad was around. We were just with him at the same place. Um, so, I, you know, I, I'm really thankful for that. And it's, it's a big, big reason of why I do it is my dad has been so persistent, never gave up. Um, you know, he had other opportunities to leave um, at other times to be head coaches. And he really loves the community he's in, the one that I grew up in and played in. Um, so he, you know, he stayed. He's never he's been there 27 years, man. That, you know, yeah. he he loves he loves those kids. He does.
1: Now, I mean, you you've spent most of your career coaching linebackers and um, developing linebackers, and obviously, the great thing about co- coaching college is you can kind of recruit your own kids. Um, yeah. But again, like from even with that, where do you kind of start with linebackers? I mean, I know you're heavily involved there at linebackers and. Like I said, I've heard you speak on some stuff. I mean, wh- where do you kind of start at?
0: Yeah, so, like, the biggest thing that I always look at is it, – and it sounds tongue-in-cheek, but, it, you know, I, I want to see if they actually have range to get to something coverage-wise. And, like, I, I don't want to use the word length because, the, you know, I, if I say that to a high school coach, he's going to be like, well, I have six – five-foot-six kids. I can't choose a kid who's longer – and, you know, I coached Division three football. I couldn't necessarily choose a kid that was longer. Um, obviously, I'm going to try to train the kid who's a little bit taller, um, but that's not how it necessarily works. I want more kids that, you know, the biggest thing that always concerns me is, can they throw the ball over the middle? It's an easier throw. Most defenses are saying, okay, you got to throw to the flats. If you can throw over the middle, you, we really don't have anything. Um, so it's if you can't make up for it because you're tall, I need you to be the best pass drop guy that I can get to get in those curl and dig windows. That that is more important to me than anything because I can teach the rest run fit-wise. We can get you going downhill. It's easier to teach someone to move downhill than it is to teach them backwards. So if I can find someone with that skill set to go backwards. I can teach them the skill set to go forwards. Um, I think that's why you see a lot of colleges specifically move safeties into the box. A lot of, and then same thing too, you see a lot of high school safeties get recruited to be linebackers because he's probably their best player, but he's probably long enough that you're like, he's going to be able to play coverage and we will teach him and fill him out. Um, So that's kind of what I, I look more at the, can I get him to take away curl-dig windows, yes or no, and build from there? Um, then if I was to be, like, my – if that's my one, my 2A and my 2B, it, you got to have nastiness. Like, if you're not – if you're not going to play mean, um, I, I saw, you know, looking at your stuff, Coach, I, I watched a couple of them. I, I was listening to Coach Brown talk about his solve your problems with aggression. That was literally our mantra the last two years at trying. I need a kid that goes, I don't know what I'm seeing, and I'm just going to solve it by being yeah. aggressive and running to the football. And then that would be my third thing. Does he have a motor? Like, aggressiveness and motor. Will he just run? Um, we had an All-American last year at Trine. His name is Kyle Nath. He's going to probably be the best linebacker. I need to stop saying the problem. He'll be the best linebacker in Division three football next year. Um, there's a little bit of pride element of my alma mater there, so I'll be I'll be blunt there. Um, but he'll he is the best motor kid I've ever seen in my life. Um, there's great clips that we had where he directly affects the play just because he's going to fight tooth and nail to get the ball, and it just makes everyone's energy around them. It makes it that much harder if you feel like this guy just will never give up. And it, you know, so I'll start off with the thing that's hard. And then the other two are like, that's the kid and the motivation aspect and things like that and their personality, stuff like that. Um, I think those two things, if you have those two things, you have a really good recipe for success.
1: Now, is there anything like when you get a guy, I mean, especially where you've worked, I think D1's a little different, but at lower levels, from your experience, is there stuff you typically have to fix more often than others? That, like, coming from high school, I mean, obviously, there's a position yes. hold different thing, but there's certain things you're like, God, I wish I could get kids that just knew how to better.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, well, like the first one, I'll specifically say, and that there's going to be a lot of coaches to hate me for this. It's the r- run read step. It's the run read step thing where they're telling their kid to take one step downhill it is the biggest habit killer that you have to get rid of immediately when they get to college. Cause as soon as you tell them that they have to go forward all the time, you're going to get play action past the death. And because offensive lines at the next level do probably a better job of disguising what PAP looks like. And that's really hard to break out of them. Um, And that, so that's where, that's probably like the first thing I deal with is like, okay, we don't step down. We step wherever my key takes me. And, you know, that's probably the hardest habit to go because it's usually they're being taught clear their cleats and then see what happens in front of you. We're teaching, like, your cleats don't move until you know what happens. You know, don't know, don't go is way more used than anything else. Um, now, and that, that, my, dad's a, my dad coached the wing team. So I'm like, if you're telling the kid to, you know, not step downhill, I get that point, too. Um, I would say that's the transition, though. That's probably the hardest for them is like they really want to take that step. Um, And then probably using their hands would be the second thing. Like, you know, it's not it's more of a strength thing. It's more of a like they're physically getting stronger but I would say that's the thing that makes me cringe when I see, you know, people teaching, I'm going to take on with, you know, a chicken wing or whatever we you know, I think football is progressing further than that, that kids need to be better, you know, their handwork and things like that. Um, I, I think that's the stuff that those two are the biggest that I notice is hands. And then the, the read step, I mean, they, they love
1: the read step, man. The to you mentioned there, a lot of that's the strength orientation part of the hands. Like, yeah. I mean, same thing with the offensive line. Like, that's why you see a lot more shoulder blocking at the high school level yes. because yes. they're not strong. Their benches, their upper body is not strong enough to deal with the routine <laughs> and other stuff that you need to do. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, that, like drill wise, where do you typically start for your linebackers? I mean, obviously, you need to kill, kill change the read step stuff, but Like, where do you typically progress? Is there anything you think you do different, et cetera?
0: Yeah, so something I've uh, picked up recently here in northern Illinois that I actually really like is I'm not a huge stance coacher. I know a a lot of my things, I'm young enough still that I I think of when I played, and the last thing I wanted to hear about when I'm dog-tired in the third quarter is someone telling me my stance is bad. So that's, like, one of my big things that I try not to really – um harp on I try to take one day where it's like all right we're looking at everybody's stances I'll harp on it for the first like three days and then I'm done
1: yeah
0: um like you know what I mean you got to move on you got to let it be what it is um but the thing I like is you take a med ball okay you get them in a position now like I had a, the coach that actually took my position to try and trying filled in for me he was asking me my opinion and I told them the things that I look for, okay, is I want to bend my knees and I don't want to be like I'm sitting down, but I also don't want to be like I'm standing up. I I use some graphic terms to describe both of those things so they get a laugh um, and they can visualize it. But like the biggest thing is I want knee bend, but I want them to be comfortable. Um, They should be in a position where they should neither higher or lower their body based on their initial movement. So if I was to run straight forward, I wouldn't drop or tall at all. I want to be right at that level. Um, A great way for them to find that level is you take a med ball and have them put it out directly in front of them, kind of like exercise that you see with extended arms. You put them in their position, and you just tell them which way to step. Say up, back, left, right. And they take one step, and the whole time you just sit there tapping on the ball. And it gets them to understand, okay, if you hold this ball, it's a lot harder for me to move up and down because it's anchoring me there. Um, so that's something I, I, will always start with that. Um, it, you know, it, it's a good way of them finding their base. And then for me, I've always gone uh, footwork first. So then I'll go to, it's called a lateral progression is what I've just called it. That's something my coach did. We're going to get on and it's good for big groups, we're going to have, you know, lines facing one way. You're going to start on the sideline. I don't use cones. I think this is something that's funny. You're talking D1, D3, like type level, D2, like differences. I don't have bodies for people to set out cones for me before I do my drill. Right? Like when I, when I was, you know, usually you know, I was a special teams coordinator. I might be coming from punt to now linebacker. indie. I don't have time to set up cones. We're also using that part of the field. So I use landmarks on the field as often as possible. So we'll start on the sideline. We'll shuffle to the bottom, of, uh, to the top of the numbers. It's nine yards. Kids, you can tell them in the summer, you can tell them to go 10 yards and they're fine. They could do that anywhere. It's the same as what you're doing. So they'll shuffle to the top of the numbers. They'll shuffle back. We go all on the hand clap. So there's a big pet peeve of mine. Everybody's going to sit there and say set hit or blow a whistle. Blowing a whistle ends the play. So why are we telling kids to start on the sign that is notorious for ending the play? That makes no sense. Then why are we saying set hit? We tell them to ignore the cadence all the time. So they go on the hand clap because it's a movement key. Now, I will probably change it to something because now everybody does hand claps for cadences, Um, but that's kind of my thought is you need to have a visual key um, to tell me to start. So we'll do that. We'll shuffle. Um, My big thing is six-inch step, step replace. I should step replace. I should never go bigger than that because then I'm outside of my frame. Once I'm outside of my frame, that's when I'm going to be in a bad position to tackle. We'll go from shuffle. We'll go to lateral run. Lateral run is when I'm keeping my shoulders square, but I'm keeping my hips turned. The big thing as a coach is I want to see your number. If I can't see your number or your eyes, that means your turn. If I can't see that, that means I don't care what you say. You go, Coach, I feel this way. It's not true. Your shoulders aren't square then if I can't see your number. So I'll have them do that. They'll go uh, top of the numbers down back, and then it's the transition. So now we're going to go shuffle. When I finger point, they'll lateral run to the hash. So we're shuffling until I give them. Sometimes I'll go clap and then point right away. Sometimes I'll make them shuffle all the way damn near to the hash just so they get a rhythm of, hey, it's a visual key. It's not like a rhythmic thing. Um, That's always my biggest thing. Uh, As a former linebacker and as a defensive coach, visual keys are so much better than verbal keys. All you talk about all week are visual keys when it comes to game planning, fitting on somebody, all of your stuff as soon as you start using verbal keys, you're teaching them bad habits from the start. So that's something I challenge myself. Now, sometimes it's impossible. You're like, I gotta be able to get the blocker to know when to go. You know what I mean? So I do as much as possible on you as I can in my drills. So they're reacting to the blocker being the guy who goes than me saying set hit. Um, but that's something I think that really develops, guys is the more they can do visual keys than anything else and then tie it into whatever you're doing, whether it's footwork, hand stuff. I like stance and footwork to start. I played for a man who was 80 years old, so I, I might be stuck in my ways in that way. I hope not, but I try to be um, I try to be as um, progressive as possible in my teaching. So,
1: Now, you also mentioned um... – Pass dropping at earlier. And that's kind of one of the key things you look for. Mm-hmm. How do you I mean, how do you refine that? Because obviously some people are just able yeah. to do it. How are you from a drill and a teaching standpoint, install, meeting room, whatever it is? How are you refining that ability? So they're not getting lost in the weeds, like they're not getting too much yeah. depth, they're not getting too left, not enough depth. So you're hit again, kind of like you pointed, hitting the the snags and the crossers and the digs behind them where are you doing to work on that
0: yeah so like and this is kind of where it comes from most people now their first days are in you know just helmets yes Uh, you know and and especially at the lower levels you know i'll say it this way Uh, at the one level like if we can't have guys off the ground in helmets we're in for a bad year um you know i mean they should be athletic enough to not be on the ground you're hopefully coaching kids that are going to be in the NFL who majority don't practice in pads. So for us, like when, you know, as at other places, you don't really have much team. You're going to do a lot of seven on, you're going to do a lot of group work like that sort of stuff, your first two practices. So in Indy, what I like to do is whether I was a DBs or a linebackers coach, I'm going to put a guy out and I'm going to have a two man concept. So at linebackers a little different, we're a big, um, uh, fire zone hot quarters team so like you know think of pat and Arduzzi, press quarters we're match carry deliver whether it's fire zone or it's cover four. so when we what we do is we line up two skinny guys you know we call the twins we call it two speeds here you can call it whatever you want but it's a number one receiver number two receiver we line them up in a base stance Um, you know we try not to start in like an apex position we'll start them in the box to the boundary though so it's a shorter drop you know it's not always going to be apples to apples but at least we work on the technique so because we're so aggressive coverage that lateral run technique I'm talking that's what we talked about I would lateral run ride my line to stay flat to that guy that was the teaching progression right away that's our base coverage It's great, our footwork ties into it. It ties into how we fit the run game, great. Once you get to that zone coverage where we're truly taking away those curled dig windows like I'm talking about, then we work on our hook shuffle. So hook shuffle is just a 45 degree, or if you wanna say 135, you know, get my true DB in it, my 135 back in a shuffle though. So all we're reading the key, the biggest thing that I focus on, And and we have some, we have some intern coaches here who, who were student assistants. And if that's the route you went, God love you because you work so much harder than anyone I know, but you'll know football in a different format. You'll go, well, he's playing hook curl. That kid does not know what hook curl means. He's only told if two goes out, I do this. If two goes in, I do this. If two goes vertical, I do this. As soon as you give them ways to think that way, that's what matters. So we would spend a lot of our time being like, hold up. I don't care what you think was going to happen. What did two do? You go, well, he did this. I go, then follow your rules. It's a lot of defensive football, specifically coverage at the linebacker position, has to be rules-based. Because if I'm sitting in here watching every Skelly concept, how are we ever going to get to our run fit? So you got to really iron down your rules. Our kids could go, two does this, I'm doing that. Three does this, I'm doing that. And that was the biggest thing. And it's working on, because we're going to probably be shorter or that window hits so fast, you got to react so fast. Um, So that was how we try to compensate if we were lacking in length. Man, we're going to be the fastest to the curl you've ever seen. Um, And that was the stuff is just really ironing out that protection. I would stand behind them and I would pre, I'd go, we have three routes, verticals out with a curl out with, or then I'd go like a, a, under with a dig and they knew those hand signals because they're different ways of drawing. That's the three route concepts you get. We'd walk through it. And that's something like we, I filmed Indy. Um, I would find a hurt person. I'd find if our, our, our film people aren't doing film, I, at that time, I'd go, hey, can you just put the camera on my indie? I'll cut it. You know what I mean? I Most of it, I cut. I was just like, just tape it from the start to the finish. Just tape it. I'll take care of the rest. Um, and then those kids would get – I would cut it up. I would uh, download it as an MP4, and I would share it with them. So, like, our freshmen would get that drill, and I'd be like, here's the drill we're doing tomorrow. If you have any questions, ask an older guy or me. And you cut out so much time. Um, you know, if you already have filmers up there, use them, man. Like, they're bored too, you know. Like, that's the thing. I, you know, I think what helps is in that drill work time, having the kids see it, and then I can make a cut up reel of this is what it looks like to get to the curl really fast. This is what it get it looks like to get to a dig really fast. You know, those sort of things.
1: Yeah, I mean, we started. We I bought a drone this offseason. That's what we've started filming a lot of our practice. Oh, on hell yeah. Season. The, the drone view is not like night and day better than yeah anything like it's it's fantastic like
0: that will really help your underneath coverage too
1: because yeah. then they can
0: like see the route develop it's almost like a yeah. video game in that sense right exactly.
1: like it's just it's it's just nice dropped over shot like in, we've gotten pretty good at yeah. setting it up like I mean just our two angles that we've gotten from our two seventy sevens has been fantastic. And then, like, we're starting to do it with some drill stuff and some like group and seven on seven periods and practice as well. Just
0: the thing, I, the thing I'd last end on it with the like that, you know, if I'm gonna harp on finding digs and curls as my thing. I, I wanna end with one coach said to me one time is my former boss, I won't put him because it's a little vulgar, but I won't I'll be as PG as I can. Once you find the curl. You find it, and life opens up magically to you. Yeah. And that's always something I always talk about with them. Like, once you find it, you'll never forget what it's like. Yeah. It's teaching them to find it. That's the yeah.
1: biggest part. I I agree. I, I agree. It's an interesting. I mean, especially for those young kids for at the high school level who haven't really done it before. Like, it's figuring out the depth and what to look yeah. for and all that. So. I'll, I'll go this way. I mean, how like I, I, just from your perspective, because um, you obviously I mean, you work special teams, you work linebackers, you've coached DBs at the lower levels, and now you're helping out at Northern Illinois. Like, what is the difference in like meeting time, meeting rooms, how they're set up? Is, is there a big difference for you or how much is different?
0: in uh, I'll put it this way. I think that's more of a personality thing. Um, like our D-line coach here, he's ironically a tri-state grad, you know, a tri-grad dude. We didn't cross paths. He's, you know, 13 years older than me or something. But he uh, he's a small school guy. He worked his way up from a small school level. Like he sets up his own meeting room. He talks exactly how relatively how I talk. Um, the guy I followed talks exactly how I talk. He set up his own meeting room. Um, um, I, I say this a lot, you know, it doesn't make a good coach good or bad. They're just going to talk differently. Um, you know, we can be as much have the same verbiage, yada, 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 but like some people just have different personalities. So that that part to me is a little tough to kind of speak on. I will say the meeting amount of the meeting time we have is different. Um, you know, you're very um their class schedules are arranged in a way that they make it that you can have more time um that was the biggest thing that you run into at small schools and, and it's a bigger whole thing like your class schedule there's only so many professors who teach that class at your at your college if it's a small school we have however many professors who teach however many cl- you know what i mean it's a it's a sheer bodies thing um that makes it different um so, yeah, it, you have more time. I will say this. My, so my position coach, a college coach at Northwestern for 10 years, he said all the time there is no difference other than athletic ability between what you guys are learning and what we taught there. And I would completely agree with it. There is nothing that we do that none of our kids could have conceptualized, been able to do, been able to install. We install just as much stuff you just have less time to really install it, if that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. it, it's it's more it's more like, yeah, you have more time, but I don't know. It's the same amount of stuff. It is. It, it truly is. Um, so but if anybody ever tries to degrade someone, you're doing the same stuff, man. Um, they're just, uh, for lack of a better term, they're forced to be here. They can't. Like, they, you know, D3, D2 – there's only a certain amount of hours that you're allowed to be there. You know, over the summer, we have kids in summer courses. Like, that don't happen at the D2 level. You know, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, that's kind of more the difference, I guess, is the best way to put that.
1: Okay. Now, also with that, um, you you mentioned earlier, and, and kind of I haven't really hit on it yet. I mean, you've done some DB coaching work as well. How – what – is there – and you – how much have you taken from those experiences to linebackers in general? Oh, like,
0: I, just a ton, you know. a, a ton. Like the, I would have never imagined in a million years going from playing linebacker to now my first thing I say is, Hey, I really care about a kid taking away a curl dig windows. My first thing is a linebacker's <laughs>
1: coach. Yeah. But it genuinely
0: is like, it changes your whole viewpoint of what's going on out there. Um, Yeah, I I think that's the – my advice to younger coaches who are getting into it is unless you want to be a in-the-box coach your whole life, try to start back to front because then it will make more sense the more you go. Um, I know there's D-line coaches who probably would hate me for saying that, but that's just (laughs) the truth. Like you, you you have more of a concept of how all of the pieces fit together um, I, and that changes it and like footwork wise like you start like caring about things that you would have never really thought about um, I think that's the stuff that helps um, I think my I think my situation is a little unique because my dad being a line coach most of my life has me there's some general run game stuff that I understand just because I listen to my dad talk at dinner every night um, I will give my dad that shout out but at the same time, like, it's um, – I, I think starting back to front is something that I would recommend to anybody. Um, it really puts your perspective, and I'll be honest, too. It changed how I would coach. Um, if I was start as a linebacker's coach, I would just be a mean cuss all the time. Um, you want to go cuss out a corner, good luck, man. Good luck. You got to rely on that kid to do something. Like, it's a lonely feeling to play corner. So you go MF him, good luck. You need him, you you know, um, especially there's going to be a high school coach who understands he's the only one you got. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean? So if you mentally ruin him, you're screwing, you're hurting everybody at that point. Um, So I I think that taught me a lot too Was like, you know, um, I think that position's a little bit different than linebacker where I'd make a joke. We, we can put out a new Mike linebacker. If you're down to your third corner, it's usually scary.
1: Yeah. Well, I get it. Oh. Now, the other thing I didn't hit on, that one hit on before we get finished is, um, I mean, you you also got promoted to special teams. And then how much, I mean, obviously special teams is a whole other animal and there's a lot that goes into it with each phase. And yeah, you don't necessarily always get every starter and you're working with, it it, it depends on your school, some people out a little bit and so forth. But, I mean, how has that influenced you as a coach? Not necessarily, like, I mean, the scheme or anything, but how has that influenced your thought process as a coach and kind of where you go forward?
0: I think the biggest thing, like, it kind of goes into a lot of other, the small college just attitude in general of, you start to realize there's so many more ways to have an impact. And I'll kind of, like, there came a point last year where I said something that, that I just said organically, but I will keep to it. Um, one We were performing badly on teams, specifically with the linebacker group. Um, we had some young guys who were very, very talented. Who would, I told them, I'm like, you're a starter anywhere else in our league you have an All-American in front of you, quite literally an All-American. And so that can be frustrating. And I said to them, I, this is what I said, you, you aren't proud to be a starter on kickoff. You only want to be proud of being a starter on defense. What if I approach that this way? What if I go, I'm not the defensive coordinator, so who gives a shit about special teams? We would get our asses kicked. So if you approach it that way, you know how I'm going to become a defensive coordinator is someone noticed that I did a great job on special teams and gave me a chance. Yeah. You know how you're going to become a starter on defense is you got to be a starter on kickoff. You have to be a starter on punt. You got to be a starter on this. Everyone around me has to go, why aren't you playing him? He's so good on special teams. And that's something that changed my viewpoint. because I was so frustrated. I just didn't know what to necessarily do. I was just like, Hey man, you want to start on defense. Great. But how can I play you on defense? If you can't do what I'm asking you to do on specialties. So it came that way for me as a coach, that's my perspective. Don't get frustrated of you don't have what you want right now. Do it the best you can. So then someone will notice and give you the opportunity for what you want. Yeah. And that's how you can approach it with kids who don't want to play special teams. That's how you can approach it. And that's what I think the other inverse of that is you have starters who are like, I don't want to do this, but they're your best guy. You need them out there. That's why you need other position coaches helping out. Our defensive coordinator would do all sorts of stuff with me because he used to be the special teams coordinator and he w- he wasn't too good for it. And he would help out. So then the kids understand, hey, even the defensive coordinator is spending time out here. So why am I, the starting Mike linebacker, too good to do special teams if our coordinator is not too good to do special teams? Um, I think it's a mentality sort of thing um, that you can get your whole entire team to rally behind. We score. we were the best kickoff return team in the country. And uh, like our kids love it. It was insane. You would have thought like a bomb was going off when we were about to return a kick every single time. Our kick, our O-line coach that I played for, been trying for, you know, 15 years at this point or whatever, he would stop what he was doing to watch our kickoff returns. It was unbelievable. But we kind of built that where it was the kids were like, our backup tight end is like hooting and hollering, excited that he's going to go down and beat somebody up. It's, I, I think it's a huge mentality thing of have somebody embrace their role and see how their role can get them to a new role that they want
1: more. So, okay, well, coaches, um, give uh, coaches Twitter will be in the bio. Give coach a follow, um, like, share, subscribe, all that lovely jazz, and uh, check out our sponsor, Coach Pad, down below. Um, and then that wasn't our episode of Gap Down Backer podcast.